Thank you for tuning in to Growing Tech Fast, the condensed Org3D podcast in which conversations about growing tech startups are had with those who have grown them. Today, I'm joined by Keith, founder of Primer. Keith, I like to ask people to introduce themselves. Uh, and I think it's a really good way for us to get into this. So please, um, I want the viewers to understand. Tell me about you. Who is Keith? Ooh, um, big question, <laughs> Rosie. Um, a lot of different ways for me to answer that. Um, <laughs> I'm a dad. All right, I'll start by that. I got two kids, um, but I'm also uh, running a, a company, um, which is really exciting. So I, I joke that I have three under three. Um, if you count my startup as my third child. Um, Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, who am I? Like uh, my, my journey, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm American, uh, as you can probably tell by this terrible accent. It's not nearly as, <laughs> as fun to hear as yours. Um, I grew up in, in the Northeast, um, studied history and political science, ended up a high school history teacher, got into marketing, uh, found my way to Dropbox as an early member of the Dropbox for Business marketing team. And it um, made the pivot from kind of brand strategy, um, content strategy into growth, um, because I've always been fairly numbers driven. Um, and this was right around the launch of Dropbox for Business. So uh, it was like, an ex it was a very exciting time in that company's, uh, company's journey. It was like kind of peak Silicon Valley moment. Uh, yeah. Like yeah, a lot of the jokes in that show really, really struck home for me. <laughs> uh, um, and, uh, and yeah, and like, um, kind of was there to, and as we like, we're really focused on monetization, um, and how to build a really strong, uh, growth engine, um, kind of the first, it was like PLG before people called it PLG. Um, from there I left, I went to, uh, a YC startup, um, that had just graduated from, uh, from the program, uh, ran marketing and sales there, built their growth engine from scratch, um, went and did that for a few other companies and, uh, and was kind of like thinking about what I wanted to start on my own and never, ever, ever wanted to start something in MarTech because I was like, this is like mar marketing is just the most fragmented, like overwhelming like space possible. There's so many tools like is it okay if I swear? I don't know. I swear yeah. a lot. Yeah. Go for I, it. Yeah. It was like, fuck, <laughs> I mean, it was just like, like, fuck no, never. Even though that's what I knew, right. It's like yeah. what I, it was my expertise. Like a lot of what I had done was around, um, how do I like, I'm, I'm semi-technical, but, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not an engineer by trade. Um, but like, how do you stitch together these, these databases? How do you stitch together these tools? A lot of it's duct tape, Zapier segment and some Python and some offshore teams. And that was what had led to a lot of my success. Um, and I knew there was an opportunity here because I I talked to a bunch of other peers that were you know leading growth at other startups mm -hmm. who were dealing with the same problem, um, and they were hiring teams of data engineers um, to as, as they hit scale. Um, and yeah, at some point the light bulb went off, and I realized that actually like the fragmentation of Martech might be the opportunity that we might be hitting a tipping point in SaaS in general. You know, you can see like products are getting more and more and more and more niche, um, mm -hmm. and I was, I was reading a story about, um, I was reading actually a um, story about Henry Ford um, and the automotive industry in the early 20th century, right? Turn of, turn of the 20th century, over 600 auto manufacturers in, in the US. By the 1950s, there were five major ones. Um, and that consolidation, I think, is, is something that is, SaaS is probably 
going to go through at some point um, in the not too distant future. You know, if you think we're we're in the infancy days of, of SaaS, right, maybe 10, 15 years of it, um, the next 20 years will show a lot of, of consolidation. And I think that there's, um, uh, if, if, if we can be the glue that helps tie together other apps, that is what um, kind of had the light bulb moment uh, with, uh, with Primer. And that's what we're, we're focused on. Yeah. I love that. Well, from, so you haven't had what a lot of people would say is the typical route into marketing firstly, but then into growing a startup and, and creating your own thing. But if you could do it all again, would you do anything differently? Yeah, um, I think that there's a bunch of things I'd do differently, but I, I'd say the number one thing that I would do differently is, um, uh, and then I'm still actually learning how to do differently, is just stay focused. Um, I mm. think that um, it's very easy to have ideas. Um, it's harder to execute on them. And, and look, we, we've obviously executed, right? We've hit, we've hit a certain um, a certain, you know, stage, um, we, we've managed mm. to see a fair amount of success already. Um, but it, it's like, it's still all the time. I have ideas about new features, new features, new features, all these things that we could be doing that we should be doing. Um, when I realized that, you know, uh, looking back, if I just stayed, you know, kind of much more rigidly focused on evolving yeah. the product one step at a time, um, we probably would have gotten to where we are faster. Um, and that's mm. you know, hindsight's 2020, but it's a lesson that I'm trying to, trying to take forward, um, as we yeah. continue to build out the product. Yeah. I feel like I say that to myself a lot, keep it, keep it simple and just keep going simple, repeat the process. Um, and it is hard cause I, I love being creative and I think that's sometimes limiting yourself to do that can be negative um and having that creative and having that creative mind where you keep things going is is really key um but yeah keeping it simple and staying focused for me that also is a really difficult thing um but it's nice to hear that other people go through the same the same stuff just in a different different way so last kind of question on more of an intro piece but when you think about when you reflect and you look back, what up until this point, as Prime is really starting to move into a growth phase, what has been your favorite thing, moment, light bulb moment so far? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a couple of milestones that we hit that just felt really good, right? Like crossing mm -hmm. a million in ARR, that was, you know, it's like, okay, we've made it um, to, to some degree. Um, I'm actually suck at celebrating in general. Um, like it's sort of like, okay, cool. Check the box, move on. Um, yeah. I'm like I'm a bit of a masochist. Um, but, but the thing, the thing that really has like, uh, I'm consistently every day, like hopping on calls or, or chatting with folks. The thing that consistently feels good is, um, building the team. Like we are a gang of, of misfits um and it's like it's just so fun like having a bunch of like i don't know people from all over the world all sorts of different personality types people that don't necessarily pattern match to like what you know i think a lot of um a lot of teams tend to look like like not everybody mm. went to the right school not everybody 
worked at all the right places, but they're hungry and they're fun and they're nice um, and they're smart. And that is like, it, it's just like a building the team has been mm. just the best part so far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a recruiter, I love to hear that. I think it's, um, it's great for people who are, who are coming into the business who, when they see this really cohesive, great group of people who are all working on the same joint mission. Um, it's nice. We have the same thing here because we're also a startup. Like you, it, It's great when you have those collaborative moments and everyone's all on the same page or not, but you get there eventually in a really great, nice, nice way because I'm sure we've all been there and worked somewhere where that that wasn't the case at some point in time. So came from an idea. It's moved into a point now where, um, I mean, you mentioned some successes so far, but you've got a great bunch of people. You're on a growth strategy, but how did you get Primer out the door in the first case? Yeah, yeah. Um, we were pretty scrappy, um, as I think, you know, a lot of folks are. Um, talking about pattern matching, I think, you know, having worked at Dropbox and worked at certain places, my co-founder Juan has a, has a really impressive resume. We could have probably gone out and just raised a big seed round and worked away for a year and launched something. Um, but we actually chose pretty decisively not to do that, to steer clear of, uh, venture um at first and we we bootstrapped it um self-funded um like we wanted to i think we'd both been through a couple of experience where our experiences are just in and just seen frankly like a lot of products that um raised a bunch of money like didn't and then never saw product market fit never even saw product market signal um so to us it was important if we were going to build something that uh, we knew that it was solving a pain pretty quickly mm-hmm. um so we started working on it halftime we were both doing the advising consulting thing so that gave us a little cushion um we you know uh started working on an mdp probably like late 2019 rolled it out mid 2020 and really quickly had the growth teams at rippling and brex and Vercata and ironclad and all these you know, late, later stage, like really, really hyper growth, um, B2B startups using it. And, uh, and I was like, okay, shit, we got something here. Like, <laughs> this is cool. Like we got money. I mean, we didn't know how to price. Like we were just like, like just pay us, you know, usage basis and like no, no SaaS, you know, model at all. No subscription model. Like we, we were just, we were, we were gunslinging, um, wheeling and dealing. And, um, and then like 2020, like, like end of 2020, um, one, Rippling, uh, one of our biggest customers came to us and said, hey, you know, we're trying to solve this problem. Looks like you guys kind of do it. Is this part of your vision? And we were like, yes, in fact, it <laughs> is. Like, this is really cool. Like, you want this next thing? This is exactly what we were going to build. Um, and in talking to other customers, they were like, they wanted it to. We, we had this approach um, out of the gate where, um, we would just like, if more than three customers wanted exactly the same thing, exactly the same way, we would just do it. Like we would just say, sure, we'll do it for you. Um, and it, w- it wouldn't be pretty. It would be like mechanical turked on the back end with like a bunch of, you know, like duct tape and 
um, um, but we we would make it work and then build it into the and then kind of operationalize it and then build it into the product and that has served us really really well. Um, I think we're actually hitting a point now, which is interesting, where um, we actually have to stop doing that quite so much. <laughs> like, like, like I think we're we're being a little too scrappy still. We need to be a little more disciplined. Um, but it's uh, it, it's basically how we how we were able to get strong momentum, find product market fit fast. We raised the seed round because we knew we needed we just needed more engineers. Uh, we needed to mm. hire faster because there was such demand. Um, and the vision was getting kept getting bigger and bigger as we um, we knew the problem was really big, but the actual path to solving that problem kept becoming yeah. clearer and clearer as we were building. Um, and uh, and yeah, we just had a really good really good story to tell and a really good reason, frankly, to to raise um, venture capital. So, yeah, it sounds like what you're alluding to there is that people were quite literally getting on board because you were solving a problem for them and repeatedly doing that by improving what you were offering. I want to talk about the problem that you're solving and we've spoken before and we've talked a little bit about the modern data stack and how what Primer is doing it can reduce the need for a data engineering team. Um, and I want the people listening to understand a little bit more about what that means, what the modern data stack is, and then how Primer comes into play. Sure. Yeah. So let me let me first kind of describe what what problem we're actually solving because I don't think yeah. I, I mentioned <laughs> that yet. Um, so okay. So so we are um, you know, our our target buyer is um, a B two B go to market team. So it might be sales or marketing leader. It might be somebody with growth in their title, demand gen. Um, and, and in my own experience, having, having played in this world for a while now, um, a lot of companies, the way they operate is they'll put together a bullet point, you know, or a Google slide of here's my persona, right? Here's my ICP. Mm -hmm. and, and then they'll say, okay, um, let's try out, let's try out LinkedIn for reaching them. Let's send a bunch of cold emails with the sales team. Yeah. Let's create a contact list in HubSpot or Salesforce and nurture them with, with something. And, and they're trying to take that bullet, those bullet points and plug them into these other tools um, and, and make those other, make these channels work for them with the, the targeting capabilities built into those channels. Um, and it turns out that that channel first approach is actually backwards because, you know, if you think about the job to be done of any marketer, the first thing you say is like, I've got this metric I need to move. And then it's, okay, who is this for? Like it's, you're supposed to always be relentlessly mm. audience first, but it's hard to be audience first because you're kind of constrained by all the, the channels. Like you need email, like you need sales, you need, you need advertising. So what Primer does, um, what I found and, and what I think a lot of other, uh, you know, companies that are at the tip of the spear when it comes to B2B marketing is that you can actually identify a huge chunk of your target market and you can represent those in a table, like as people and companies. Um, and the way to do that is actually by stacking data providers on top of each other. Um, so, you know, you take a Zoom Info plus an Apollo plus a, a Dun & Bradstreet, you know, yada, yada, yada. You layer them on top of each other and you can get as many rows as possible of companies that fit your ICP. 
And then, you know, there might be interesting ways you want to segment that. So you could add in other data providers, like you want technographics about a company, like what's their tech stack? You want to know their funding information. You can add in a think of that as like adding in columns of data. Um, so this, and then you can push that out to your marketing and sales apps as, as audiences. And those audiences can be pretty much identical across any channel. Um, and that just, just leads to much better, more effective conversion rates. And, you know, people can copy your messaging and your creative, but they can't really copy your targeting. It's really hard to figure yeah. out um, how to copy your targeting. So this is fundamentally though, a data problem, right? How do you, how do you stitch together a bunch of, um, first party data sets, third party data sets, you know, uh, merge them, transload them, transform them, all the fun things that data engineers do, right? Um, um, so I wouldn't say that we're replacing data engineers. I would say we are um, maybe allowing them to focus on other problems um, because there's so much demand. I mean, if you're a data engineer, you can, you probably have like 20 job offers like tomorrow. Like there's so much demand for data engineers and not enough, uh, not enough supply. Um, so what we're trying to do is kind of like fit into um, existing data engineering teams, which, you know, we work with, with the, with those that had a bunch of our customers and just like, you know, like not, they don't have to spend as much time building like connectors into these third-party databases. We've got those off yeah. the shelf. So think of us like in some ways it's like five tran for third-party data. Um, and then, you know, we have an opinionated schema about how things should like look and you don't have to create your own schema. Um, you don't have to do all the merge it that you don't do, have to do all the transformations um, yourself. We have those out of the box. So it's a it's a data application, I would say, uh, on top of the modern data stack is the right way to think about us. I mean, coming from someone who does a lot of marketing um, in recruitment, I think we use so many different tools and there are so many out there um but it can as the individual in that role it can feel like you're going to so many different places to do the one thing and it's it's great to have all of those tools but as you said something that stitches all of that together I mean you've got me hooked I'd like <laughs> um, great Nice. You guys so, want to sign up? <laughs> more than likely. So I think um, what would be nice to hear is like, clearly you've gone from strength to strength. The, you're solving a problem. It's going well. You've got a great core team there. Um, that's what you're growing. What was 2022 for Primer? What have you got in stock yeah. that, you can tell, yeah. that you can tell us about? Sure. So I, I think a lot of it is about taking you know what has been um, a very beta product and making it more more stable more performant faster um, layering in more sources pushing more destinations and then abstracting a lot of the complexity more more and more of the complexity away um, so if you think about if you think about you know we're we're complementing data engineering teams but our end users are not data engineers and they're not even necessarily like that data savvy right mm. um, yeah, well, maybe that's not fair. Um, I hope none of my customer, our customers are listening to this. <laughs> you, you guys are all very data savvy. Uh, but I think there's a lot of folks in the world of B2B marketing who aren't. Um, so part of our challenge in 2022 is like starting to tell the story about like how you should approach things differently. But from a product perspective, I would say it's actually helping people understand and how to translate um, 
well, can it sometimes be like vague criteria into data points that actually represent that? A good example is like SaaS, right? A lot of companies are targeting other SaaS businesses. That's not a standard industry classification. If you go on LinkedIn, you're not going to see SaaS as like mm. a, a filter. Um, so how do you how do you triangulate in on SaaS through a few other data points? Like, do they have more than five people in the engineering department? Um, are they venture backed? Maybe that helps. Are they using certain tools, technologies? Like there's, there's ways you can get in, but that, that there's an educational component there. And there's maybe some, some, um, heuristics that we want to build into the products that make it easier for folks to, um, to uh, drill down on their ideal customers and really mm. represent them. Yeah. What do you think has been a key to your success so far? in when you've scaled and that can be at Primer, that can be when you were at Dropbox. Yeah, um, well, there's a lot of aspects to scaling, right? Um, it's, uh, you know, you, you, we could be talking top line growth, we could be talking hiring and building out the team. Um, uh, I would say, you know, this is gonna probably be a little cliche, but it's trying to be as, as metrics driven as possible. Um, I think there's an interesting, arc of a of the life cycle of a company when it goes from being kind of like um what's the right word for it uh um we are maybe data aware but now we're trying to be more data driven um mm -hmm. so build like being a data-driven culture from from the get-go that that informs like obviously we're we're providing almost data as a service to our customers but but like really measuring all the key aspects of our business and our product engagement um, to inform what we do next. Um, that's, that's, I think, gonna be the, the big key to success for us in this next phase. Yeah. And then uh, how have we gotten here so far? I think it's um, like, again, it's actually like, like being like, like data informed, um, I would say it's like, we, we know exactly who our early adopter customer is and we're building for them and we keep trying to be like relentlessly focused on them and trying not to get um uh pushed away by distractions um and then the third thing i'll say um and this is the hardest part um perhaps which is um in building out teams like different functions of the business um i i've always i, I sh i've been striving to um hire folks that are um operators, but also can grow into being leaders. Um, so finding somebody who like will come in and be an IC, um, but then is also capable of building out a team. Um, maybe yeah. it might be their first time doing that, um, but they, they have it in them. Um, that is like, like those people are diamonds. Um, they're like, they're, they're hard to find. Um, but when you find them, it gives you so much more leverage um, across yeah. like a function. Yeah, in a business yeah. or across a business unit. Yeah. Also, as someone who recruits day in, day out, I can wholeheartedly agree with you. They are diamonds and um, really hard to find. But when you do, they do make a ton of difference. Yeah. I'd yeah. like to throw in one more thing. So if someone listening is a CEO, a CMO, um, or just somebody who does a lot of B2B marketing and they're not yet convinced that Primer is the best for them. 
what's your like one-liner as to why someone should pick up the phone and find at least find out more about primer oof um okay um I need to probably need to work on this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have like the pithy one liner. Um, but I will say like like if you are if you are a marketer or if your team is finding itself ever doing like V lookups to merge two Excel files, two CSVs together um, to accomplish some sort of like date like like stitching together data then you shouldn't be doing that. You should be using Primer. We can save you so much time and money. And then like we can give you access to um, so much more data um, and uh, then, then you, you probably have at your fingertips. So the, the key for us is like, it has to be somebody who's feeling this pain of like one data source is not enough. Um, and if that's the case, then we are, we are the, we're the right place for you. Yeah. Love it. Well, in the comments in the post, there is going to be links to where you can go and get more information. I mean, of course, you can also reach out to Keith directly. Um, but I hope that anybody listening, it's been fun. It's been enjoyable. I have certainly enjoyed this conversation. Um, and I can absolutely see the benefits of Primer. And for those who are also sitting there thinking, this sounds like something I would like to be involved in. Keith sounds like a great person to work for. Drop him a message. Yeah, him please up. do. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to talk to you. <laughs> Keith at Say Primer. We are hiring for like 20 roles right now. So, yeah. <laughs> well, Keith, thank you so much. It's been great speaking to you. Um, and I, I hope that maybe in a year's time we can get you back on and talk about how great it's been since 2022. Thanks. Thanks, Rosie. Appreciate the time and the opportunity. Um, and thanks everybody for listening. Oh, 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 oh,